Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Well, good morning, Epiphany Church. What a great delight it is to be found in the presence of our God, worshiping Jesus together. Uh, Psalm 115 says it best, not unto us, not unto us, but unto your name, get the glory. It goes on to say, for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness, the reason that we gather, do not get it twisted. It is not for lights and camera, but it is to give the name of Jesus some praise. Can we just do it for 20 seconds in this room? Can we just lift up a praise to Jesus? Wherever you are at home, if you could just lift up a praise to Jesus. Even as the worship team was singing, great are you, Lord, something was like, that thing hits you differently when when you just think about how faithful and good and great God has been. I don't know anybody greater than the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, I'm going to preach the word of God today. Why don't you grab your Bibles and get to the book of James, James chapter 5, if you're not familiar with the way scriptures are laid out. James is toward the end of the Bible. It's the end of the New Testament. It is between Hebrews and 1 Peter. Hey, listen, as you guys turn there, I've been praying for you. I've been praying for you. I've been, I've been praying really two ways. been praying corporately for the body. I, I realize how difficult this season can be for so many people. Uh, and I don't even necessarily just mean the pandemic, but when you get to holiday season, it's just a, it's just a very, very depressing time for some people. And this holiday, these holidays that are coming up, Thanksgiving and, and Christmas will certainly look, look different for a lot of families. A lot of people will be isolated when this is the one time of year that some of y'all know y'all only see your cousins and aunties this time of year, and some of us won't see them, you know, this year. And so I, I pray for us as a, as a body, but I also pray for you by name when, when the Lord brings up your face, some of you that, um, that are a part of our church. When the Lord brings you to my memory, I pray for you, and uh, I pray that you would be praying for our church as well. Hey, listen, just want to give you some direction for really pulpit time. You know, one of the things that I think the pandemic has has kind of thrown off is our rhythm of going through books of the Bible here at Epiphany Church. If you have any familiarity with our church, you will know that we are passionate about going through books of the Bible. We started our church, we went through the book of Colossians, and we jumped back into the book of Jonah, and we did do 1 Peter, which is... Uh, right after this book that we're in today. Then uh, last year we did Habakkuk. Some people didn't even know how to say Habakkuk when we went through the book of Habakkuk. And somebody said, still don't, I hear that. And then we started the book of Romans last year and we were working our way through it. We got through all, uh, well, we got through nine chapters, the ninth chapter actually being the hardest chapter. And I was preparing my heart for the ninth chapter and we got to it and it really was smooth sailing from there until March hit. And then the pandemic kind of threw us off and we, we never got to jump back in the book of Romans. Kind of just been doing topical series, but we believe as a church in expositional preaching. Somebody say expositional preaching. It just means the author's original intent, it, it, whatever, whatever it was for the audience at that time, it is good for us now. And so we like to go through verse by verse and line by line of what the scripture has to say. And I believe you can do it topically, but it's something so important about just working through books of the Bible. And so in December, we'll jump back into the book of Romans. We will be in Romans for a few months. It's a few more chapters after that. It goes to chapter 16, and we're going to be faithful 
uh, to, to see all that the Lord has to say in the book of Romans. So y'all stay plugged in. Y'all stay tuned, uh, tuned in and, and, and dialed in. I know it's difficult in this season, but uh, do your best to, uh, to, to, to be faithful as possible to the word of God. All right. Y'all good in James today? Yeah. All right. James uh, chapter five, we are in verse seven. Watch how this opens up. Be patient. Therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. I don't know if you're picking up this theme he's dropping right now. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another brothers so that you may not be judged behold the judge is standing at the door and as an example of suffering and patience brothers take the prophets who spoke in the name of the lord behold we consider those who remained here's a a a synonym for patience remained steadfast you have heard of the steadfastness of job And you have seen the purpose of the Lord and how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. I'll stop there. I want to preach today from the topic entitled Learning to Be Patient. Can someone type that in? Because I'm guaranteeing you somebody's going to pop into the chat room uh, probably halfway through the sermon just so they know what we're talking about. If you can just give them our theme or slash our thesis today, Learning to Be Patient. Let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Uh, Father, we would be remiss if we did not invite your presence into this room. Not just into this room, but into every room that is watching this live stream right now. Lord, I think the season that we're in has made us feel as though you're distant from us for some people. I think the season that we're in has made us feel disconnected feel disconnected from you, feel disconnected from your body, feel disconnected from worship. We are grateful that worship is able to be piped in and we are grateful for the quality, but at the end of the day, we miss physically gathering together. But I pray, oh God, that today that they would feel the nearness of you. You are so big, yet so intimate with us. And you've proven your intimacy by sending Jesus from off of his throne to dwell amongst people people that would ultimately send him to the cross. And I'm not necessarily talking about the Roman soldiers, but I'm talking about all of us that have sin in our life, put Jesus on the cross. And I pray that today, oh God, that that nearness, that that closeness, that the desire that you have to have a relationship with us so much so that you sent your son Jesus to the cross. I pray that we would feel that today in our homes. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Learning to be patient. One of the most frustrating moments for an oyster to have is to have lodged within the confines of his shell a little grain of sand. Most times when oysters have sand into, in their shell, they know how to locate it and, and they know how to expel it from the premises. But there are those times where the sand gets lodged in so deeply into the shell that the oyster can't locate it and find it and expel it, but he has to live with that sand inside of the shell. When this, happen- when this happens, oysters typically are met with frustration and aggravation that it has to live with the annoyance of a foreign particle in its shell. 
And instead of spending his days complaining and grumbling and being aggravated, it really reverts to, I think, a great plan B. In order to protect itself from irritation, the oyster will go and find that piece of sand and then cover it over and over and over and over again with a silk substance called nacre. And after it continues to coat this sand over and over and over again, ladies, you are left with an expensive piece of jewelry called a pearl. Understand something about a pearl? A pearl is nothing more than the fruit of an o- a frustrated oyster. Uh, a pearl is nothing more than a season of aggravation that the oyster decided to do something with the season besides complain about the sand. If there was no frustration or irritation in the seasons of the oyster, then you and I would not even know what a pearl is. Likewise, it is with us in the season that we're in. Many of us are frustrated. 2020 has brought many of us anger and it has brought tiredness to us. But God is able to take those seasons that you are most aggravated with and actually produce pearls in your life. Now, let me be careful here because I don't, don't want to come across as a prosperity preacher that's going to promise that your season cometh now and everything's going to be great. I'm, I'm, I'm just not that type of person, but I will say that there are no wasted seasons with God. That there is no such thing. Get this on your mind. The most gruesome season that you've ever had is not wasted with God. He uses everything. <laughs> And he knows how to bring himself glory out of every season in your life. The problem is we think that there are wasted seasons because you were so aggravated in that season. But we got to become like the pearl and we got to put nacre around the aggravation of our life so we can produce something beautiful. The season that we're in now, and I'm talking about the holiday season It is a depressing season for some people. And I I wonder if we could turn our perspective from the negativity to something positive. I love James today because this this little book, this five-chapter book is going to give us something so powerful today. It's going to tell us what to do in the seasons that we're frustrated in. And this small book is going to tell us, watch this, what to do in the midst of the pandemic that this book is going to do or going to tell us what to do in the midst of whatever season that you're in. Let's be real, somebody got laid off recently. Somebody in the, is in the midst of marital turmoil. Somebody has just a friendship that has gone sour. What do you do when life gives you bad seasons? Well, I love James cuz he's going to tell us a couple of things. Watch how he opens up verse 7. Be patient. I love this because the book of James is located here in the New Testament. It's part of a larger genre of books that are called the epistles. Now, most of the epistles are written by Paul. However, James decided to pick up the pen and write a small epistle. And Greek scholars will tell you that the difference between Paul's epistles and Paul's writings and James' writing is that James likes to give us a high frequency of imperatives. An imperative is nothing more than a command. James, through the five small chapters that he gives us, gives us a bunch of commands. In fact, you can't even get out of chapter one. In fact, you can't even get far into the book. James chapter one, he gives us his introduction. By the time you get to verse number two, he's already giving us an imperative. He says, count it all joy. He's not giving you a suggestion. 
He's not giving you a good idea. He's not running something past you. He's saying in the passage today, be patient. And this idea of being patient is one that he's trying to get across to us. How do I know that? Because in verse 7, he says, be patient. In the B part of verse 7, he says, being patient about it. In verse number 8, he says, be patient. In verse number 10, he says, as an example of suffering and patience. In verse number 11, he says, we consider those who remain steadfast, patient. Verse number 11, he gives us again, you've heard of the steadfastness of Job. He right now is not giving you something to mull over. He's not giving you something to ponder. He's giving you an imperative. He's giving you and I a command. He says two words, be patient. Now, here's, here's where, where we get lost. If you're not a Greek scholar, I don't consider myself a Greek scholar, but here's what I know about uh, Greek, particularly when it comes to these two words, be patient. In English, they come across as two words, but actually in the original language, it's only one word, and the one word is macrothumeo. Somebody say macrothumeo. I would tell you to type in macro through mayo, but it's going to take you too long to go to Google to figure out how to spell macro through mayo. But macro through mayo is the word that he's given us. It comes across in two words in English, but in the original language, it is one. But even though it's one word in the, in the, in the original Greek, it's really a compound word. Macro meaning big or long, and through mayo meaning which is where we get our word thermometer. It means gauging heat. So in other words, macrothumeo together means long toward anger or long suffering. So the very idea of patience, please don't miss this. I'm giving you the Greek to show you the deeper meaning of what James is saying. The very idea of him saying be patient is him at the core saying there's a situation that you might be in that brings anger. The fact that I'm telling you to be patient is actually me telling you that you're in a season that's frustrating. The fact that I'm telling you to be patient means that you're in a season that you're not feeling. And here's the reality. Let's be honest. The reason why many of us don't pray for patience is because we know that embedded in the request, the prayer request of patience is another request to go through. You, you don't, don't miss this. Em embedded in the very idea of patience means that I have to be connected to a season that I don't like. Let's do it this way. It is in the seasons where you are laid off that you learn patience, not in successful seasons. It, it is in the season where you have more bills than you have paychecks. That's when you learn patience. It is in the season where the kids are being disrespectful and disobedient. It's one thing when you're disobedient. It's another thing when you're disrespectful. But what about when you're disrespectful and disobedient? That's when you learn patience. It is only in the season where the one girl on your job that you don't like gets the promotion over you. That is when you learn patience. It is only in the season where it feels like everybody else around me is getting married and I'm practicing purity and I'm being disciplined and I'm trying to be faithful. I'm a virgin all over again. I am abstinent and I'm doing the right thing, but yet it feels like everybody else is getting a boo thing and I'm still lonely. Another Christmas and I'm still lonely. It is only in those seasons that you can actually really learn what patience is. 
It is only in the season where you have been praying for something very specific over and over and over again, only to feel like your prayers has hit, has hit, has hit the ceiling and come back down. That is the season that we learn patience. You don't learn patience in the seasons that are all peachy keen. In the seasons that are all everything is well and everything is going great and you got money and you got friends and you got the relationship is intact. That is not the season that you learn patience. So embedded in this very imperative means that you will go through. And what I love about this is James is talking to Christians. Uh-oh. Because for some reason, we think that when we met Jesus, we are exempt from going through. But actually, it's the opposite. I, I, I hate to do this to y'all, man, but I got to keep it a hundred with you. I got to keep it a buck with you. When you meet Jesus, that does not mean you don't go through. It actually means the opposite. You go through, but here's the beauty. You go through with a newfound presence of the Holy Spirit. So the text tells us to be patient. It is almost as though he is saying the professor of patience is hardship. And you only learn that patience when... You go through, James is telling us to be patient, and he's saying in the midst of turbulence, don't, don't, get, don't get weary, don't give up, don't, 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 don't take your hands off the plow, but keep going, endure long suffering. Here's what he's saying, mackerel through mayo. Keep the patience. What I love about patience is patience is actually birthed as soon as you met Jesus. Now, you can have patience without Jesus, but the reality is you can really endure and learn patience when the Holy Spirit comes in your life. And here's why, because Galatians chapter 5 tells me that when the Holy Spirit comes, he brings the fruit of the Spirit. Do you realize that one of the fruits of the Spirit is patience? Here's the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, patience, 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 macro through mayo, macro through mayo, macro through mayo. You get to learn patience because the Holy Spirit is allowing you to go through and go through well. And so the Bible says here, be patient over and over again. Do not believe the hype that as a Christian you won't go through. There is scriptures like 2 Timothy chapter 2, I think it's verse 13 or, 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 chapter, or chapter 3 verse 12 that says, all who desire to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. It promises persecution. It doesn't suggest that it's going to happen. It says, no, it will happen. And here's the thing. When you tell me to be patient, I don't know if you like me, but I'm like, I, I need a little example of who is patient. You, you, you got to give me some, well, you can't just give me the imperative without giving me an illustration. But I love James because James is a good preacher. Watch what James does. He gives us an example of patience. He says in verse seven, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Here's the example. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early and late rain. A, a farmer here is such a perfect example. Uh, the farmer here really shows us what it means to be patient. Why? Because you would be hard-pressed to find a farmer that goes to a barren field the same day and expects to see fruit. No, no, no. That's not what a farmer does. He goes to a barren field and he knows before he sees fruit, there is a long list of patience and work that he has to do. Let, let, me, let me pause here for a second. A farmer goes to a barren field and he plows it. 
He puts seed in it. So that's sowing. There is watering and then there is harvest. Only a fool would go to a barren season, a barren field and expect fruit like that. No, he knows that you have to go through a season of patience. And what I love about the farmer idea here is he's pointing us to a farmer showing us that waiting isn't passive. Let, let, me, let me say that again. Is there another camera working? Let me, let me look at this one. Waiting is not passive. Waiting is actually active. The fact that he gave us a farmer as an example shows us that waiting means I'm actually supposed to be doing something. In the midst of being patient, does that mean I sit at home and twiddle my thumbs? It means I'm actually supposed to be doing something just as a farmer has to prep his field. So it is with you and I. When you and I are in the season that we are being patient, that does not mean we sit and do nothing. That actually means we got to do a lot. And here's the problem with many of us. I hope y'all are feeling me in this room. Here's the problem with us. Many of us expect that the Christian life is a microwave when in reality, it's really a crock pot. That, that, that's how God works. But macro through mayo has nothing. It means nothing about a microwave. It has everything to do with a crock pot. And I don't know about y'all, but my grandmother would always tell me everything tastes better in the crock pot. You try to cook Thanksgiving meal this year through a microwave if you want to. My, my mother-in-law bought, uh, bought, bought our family a few years ago, a couple Christmases ago. She bought us a microwave. Now, Ty, Ty hates microwaves. Anybody that, that is familiar with our home at all, you know we don't have a microwave upstairs anymore, but for a few months we had a microwave and we put it on the counter. Me, me and the boys loved it. I grew up on a microwave, but Ty hates microwaves. She thinks it's an unnatural way to cook food. So somebody said amen. And so now our microwave is downstairs in a corner and me and the boys have to sneak down and plug it in in order to heat up our food. Ty runs the house clearly. But what, what she's really teaching us is, and you know what? She's actually right. You ever, I mean, try to heat up fries in the microwave. You just don't try to heat up grits in the microwave. I, don't, I just thought about the, the, grits, uh, the grits money. It just like popped in my spirit. I don't know if y'all know what I'm talking If you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google it later. Grits money. I need your grits money. Try to heat up grits in the microwave. You can't do it. It's nasty. And many times we want life to be so quick and we want God to move so quick. And the reality is God is like, no, I don't work that quick. I work in the, cock, the crock pot. I need the, the, the juices to simmer. I need the seasonings to get together. Because if you want a succulent, fall off the bone kind of life, you have to produce macro through mayo. Be patient. So here's the reality. What do I do while I'm being patient? Why don't you go back to school? Well, while I'm being patient, won't you go ahead and apply for that job again? Well, won't you go ahead and, and I know you want to be an entrepreneur. This is the season actually to start that business. Start, start. So you want to, you want to have patience in getting property at some point. Won't you go ahead and start saving now? You can't buy MCM bag and Balenciagas, but you really have to start to put that money away. This is macro through mayo. This is being patient. And you start building that prospectus now because patience is active. Patience is not passive. So the text is going to teach us here that the idea of patience means that I have to be doing something. You know who was a good example, a scriptural example of what patience looks like? Look at somebody like Paul. The Bible says that Paul sat in the crock pot of a jail for many, 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 many months. 
And when he's in jail, he does not consider that wasted time, but he does three things while he's in jail. Number one, he writes letters because he wants to strengthen believers that are outside of jail. Number two, in those letters, he often says, I'm praying for you. So therefore, he developed a prayer life while he was in Macrothumeo, while he was in the crock pot of jail. And the third thing he did was if anybody was in the jail cell with him, Everybody got saved in the jail, including the guards. Now, now, this is the type of person that Paul is. Paul shows us that just because I'm in a season of a holding pattern does not mean it's wasted time. I still can be producing. And so he shares the gospel. He prays for people. He, he makes sure that believers are strengthened. This is what we need to be doing in this season. And here's my greatest fear as your pastor is that many of you have checked out from your spiritual life. Many of you have been in this season of being patient and you're so tired that your spiritual life has become secondary and not priority. And you, you know how we say Jesus isn't first because if he's first, he's a check off the list. Y'all heard me say that, right? And then you go on with your list. But, but the reality, many of you haven't just made Jesus a check off the list. You put him lower on the list. When in reality, he's not just the head of the list. He's the whole list. Is he still central in your life? Do you still love him? Do you still read your word? Are you still sharing the gospel? Are you still spiritually disciplined? Are you still fasting? Are you still going through a discipleship? This is patience. He says patience is not active, but we must learn. Uh, patience is not passive, but it is active. We must learn patience. We must learn patience. We must learn patience. And many of us don't have patience. We like to move ahead of God. And here's the reality. The only thing worse than waiting on God is wishing that you had waited on God. Amen. Let me say that again because that hit me hard. The only thing worse than waiting on God is wishing that you had waited on God. You ever try to move ahead of God? You ever try to do something and say, God, you know what? You've taken too long. And when you did that, you jumped out ahead of God and you made a mess of things. The only thing worse than waiting on God is not uh, finding out why you did wait, wait on God. You need to slow down, baby. You need to press pause. You need to get in the crock pot. You need to simmer. You are undone. And it is in the process of patience that he continues to cook our life. But there, there's another imperative in the passage. Y'all still rocking with me? Yeah. He doesn't just say be patient, but in verse 9, watch what he tells you not to do while you're being patient. Do not crumble. He says while you're in the midst of this season of a holding pattern, don't complain. Don't grumble. Don't moan. Don't whine. Essentially, he is telling us not to complain in this specific season. And listen, this hit me hard because by nature, I want to just be honest with you. By nature, I complain a lot. About a whole lot. I know Ty is probably in the chat room like A to the man. But here's the reality. This verse hit me because I realized while I'm in the middle of this season, I need to do so like the oyster and just work and not complain. Make the best of the aggravation and not complain. So he says here, don't complain. I think the reason that many of us complain is because it gives us a false sense of productivity. When you complain, it makes you feel like you're actually doing something. But complaining is like sitting in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but you go absolutely nowhere. And many of us spend too much time complaining to friends and complaining to family members and complaining on social media and complaining to your church family and complaining. And he's like, Paul, I mean, uh, James is like, don't grumble. Can I speak generation, generationally for a second? 
I know there, there's not many people in here. Uh, I, I don't know how old Miss Carol is, but uh, outside of Miss Carol, maybe if you are 60 and up, this verse should hit you. Okay, here, here's what y'all y'all ever meet like just them just them grumpy old old saints that have been walking with the Lord for for a long time and. And all they do is, is complain. Listen, I, I want to preach generationally. I want to preach to the salt and pepper today. I want to I preach to the sage today. The, the, let, me, let me give you some respect. I want to preach to the OGs today. We have to be careful not to allow your years of frustration to cause you to go back on verse 9. Do not grumble. Because the reality is I'm convinced that we need in the church more patriarchs and matriarchs. We, we need more sage. We need more wisdom from the older saints. If, if you are over 60 and you are piped in today, I am speaking directly to you. If there is not a long line of young people that are waiting to be discipled by you, something is wrong. And the problem with us is many of us, many older folks are trying, and I'm not beating up our older folks, but many older folks, they grumble and complain about the next generation, but we don't need grumble and complaints. We don't need competition. We need discipleship. Amen. We need mentorship. We need tutors. We need somebody to show us because you would not walk with the Lord or maybe you didn't, but you done live life and experience has been a good teacher for you. And there's some things that we should learn. But let me also say to the young folk, when you get 60, because you're only a couple decades, I know you feel real young right now. You feel like you are invincible, but the reality is time is creeping up with you too. And if by the time we're 60, we don't have a long line of people saying, can I get in discipleship with you? When is your discipleship group meeting? We need more people that are investing in the next generation. Here's how James says it. Don't grumble. We have to learn not to grumble. And I'm not just saying old people grumble. Here's the reality. Many of us grumble. I put myself on blast. I grumble too. But James says, be patient. And while you're being patient, shut up. Amen. While you're being patient, be quiet and just work and just be faithful to me and be consistent. And let me get, let me squeeze glory out of this season of your life. That is what God does. It's like a wet rag. And in this season, he is just wringing you out and wringing you out and wringing you out. And the reality is many of us want to just come out soaking wet. But God is like, no, no, no. I'm I'm going to get all that I can out of this season. Do not grumble. Be patient. Two imperatives back to back. But I love what, what James does is because he gives us another example. See, the first example he gave you, he said, be patient. He said, go look at the farmer. Because the farmer is patient in what he does. Now he says, don't grumble. And he gives us some examples of people who didn't grumble and are patient. He says in verse 10, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. Here's another example. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. He points us when it comes to patience and not grumbling. He points us to the prophets and he points us to Job. See, many, many churchy church folks like to, they like the title prophet. But in the Old Testament, prophets ran from the job. Prophets didn't like, you know why they didn't like the job of being a prophet? Because you often had the hard task of delivering God's word to rebellious people. 
to people that you knew weren't feeling you, people that you knew weren't going to listen to you. That was the job of the prophets. And so he says, look, look how the prophets endured despite the fact that they had grumblers around them. They themselves were not grumblers, but were patient and faithful and consistent. But then he gives us the goat of patience. In Job. Job really is in the Old Testament, the Michael Jordan. I don't know who you, who, who you think is better, Michael Jordan or LeBron, but he's both of those put together when it comes to patience. That's Job. I mean, Job chapter, you don't get out of chapter one before all his kids die. Can you imagine going to a funeral with 10 caskets, each for your children? Apparently his wife was so overcome with grief that she needed Ayana fix my life. Because his wife told him, won't you go ahead and curse God and die? But yet in the midst of Job losing everything, the Bible says that Job's body got attacked with boils and sores and sickness. In the midst of him losing everything, chapter 19, he goes on to say, I know my Redeemer lives. That's patience. It's macrothumeo. That's enduring. That's not complaining. And the reality is he had a lot of chapters that he could have complained in. Now, now, yeah, 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 he was honest with God, but when his, friend, when his friends talked to him and they tried to accuse him of stuff that he didn't actually do, tried to accuse him of sin that he actually wasn't in sin, but the reality is he's held on to his faith. And when you get to chapter 19, he's like, look, my, my redeemer lives. You want to talk about crockpot patience. You, you, you want to talk about patience without grumbling. That's patience without grumbling. He holds faith. And he gives us a great example. And I'm concerned in this season that many of us have given up. Many of us wouldn't get out of chapter one of Job without complaining. Can y'all be honest? Are y'all being spiritual in this room? Like, can we be a little honest? We wouldn't get out of chapter one. But yet James says, you want an example of enduring and patience and macrothumeo and crockpot? Look back to Job. Because Job remained faithful. And who is it that needs more patience in this room? Who, who is it online that needs more patience? I, I can see the screen room up here. If you would just do me a favor and just type in, I need more patience. I need more patience. Spell it correctly. I need more patience. Put that T in there. I need more patience. Who is it that needs more patience? Who is it that's piped on today and you thought you was going to get just a self-help word? No, 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 no. Here's the self-help for you. Be more patient. Stop grumbling. James says, look, 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 look at the farmer. He's patient. He, he endures the season. He says, look, look, look at the prophets. Look, look, at, look at Job. They're all way more patient. And the reality is, and I'm, I'm landing the plane here. Speaking of plane, God has many of us in a holding pattern. Do you know what a holding pattern is? There was one time when I flew from LaGuardia over to LAX. That's about a five, five and a half hour flight from coast to coast, 3,000 miles. And when I got to LAX, you know, after a long flight, you just want to land. You, you, don't, you don't got time for no games. You just want to land. I looked out the window. I had a window seat. I opened up and I looked out the window and it was almost like the pilot was giving us, us an aerial view of LA. Just kept circling, circling. And I'm frustrated. I'm macro through mayo. I'm aggravated. I'm pissed. I'm like, Come, would you land the plane? But here's the reality. There is something that the Pilot knew that I did not know. There, there, there was something that the cockpit knew that I didn't know. And if the plane landed 
during my frustration, we would have probably landed with a whole bunch of other planes. Because the reality is a holding pattern is to stop you from landing at the same time another plane is landing. So my frustration, because I don't know what's going on, I don't sit up high and look down low. I just am selfishly wanting to land. And in my own selfishness, I realized that I could have caused a catastrophe that day. But it is God that sits high. It's God that looks low. It is God that knows the future. It is God that is not only in, not only knows the future, but in the future. See, you're in this season right now when you're ready for this season to be over. Reality is God's not only in this season, but he's in the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one until we go home to be with the Lord. Help our unbelief, Lord. Help our lack of trust. Help us to endure the holding pattern with patience and diligence. Help us to be patient and active while we're being patient. By this season has been rough. I know it. I know it, Lord. I know this season has been rough for so many people that are on today. But the reality is you can endure like with a good with a good heart, like a good soldier, because of God. Let's look to the Lord. Father, I pray for patience for everybody that's on today. I realize, Lord, that patience is something that does not come natural for all of us. There are some of us that in the midst of hardship give up. There are some of us that in the midst of hardship we run from God instead of to God. But Lord, I pray that today would be the start of a new day of patience that we would appreciate the crock pot. And I pray that you would do something new with your followers today. For, Father, I pray corporately for the church. I, I've, I've talked to many pastors. I've seen, I've seen a lot, Lord. I've seen pastors give up in this season. I've seen churches close in this season. I've seen church, I've seen pastors fall into sin in this season, but Father, would you help us and give us strength, give us, help us to realize that you are near in this season. Let us not think that this is wasted, but you use everything for your glory. Pray for those that are in this room. Father, I, I know how it is when we get in production mode. The reality is so many of us are battling right now because of a lack of patience. Some of it is because we've lost our jobs and we're in the midst of hardship and relationship issues. But Lord, would you get the glory out of this season and help us to help us to not wait to look back in retrospect to see what you did, but in the midst of us, help us to see what you're doing right here, right now for your glory and for your honor. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.